Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is March 28th, 2018, and my guest on the show today is Jeffrey Harrison, uh, Director of Partnerships at Doc.io. Um, Jeff is a uh, experienced expert in the field of sales and recruiting. Prior to joining Doc.io, he was team lead at The Muse, where he helped grow the sales team from three to over 40 people and was responsible for some of the largest deals the company has achieved, had achieved. Doc.io is a decentralized data exchange protocol that lets people connect their profiles, reputations, and experiences across the web with privacy and security. So, Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So tell me a little bit about your product. So from what I gathered from your website and from the white paper is that uh, essentially you're letting users on the web who have accounts registered on various websites, like, for example, LinkedIn or Facebook or Google, uh, to share the data that they have created on those individual uh, websites and let them take that data and move it and uh, talk to other platforms so that the data can be portable uh, between them. Is is that a good uh, description? And feel free to add anything else that I missed about. Yeah, you got it. Um, I mean, I think in, in layman's terms, um, really our, our whole mission is to give users control of their, their data back, specifically their professional data. Um, the technology that we're using and the, and the concept that we have can be applied to a much larger context, but um, we come from a background within the recruiting and HR tech industry. Uh, our founders have built several professional networks um, and, and the rest of our team um, has been working with, with remote.com for the last several years. So uh, that's the area that we know and where we see a really big need for um, owning your, your data and making it transferable. And so we're using blockchain technology to give that control back to users. Um, you could think of it kind of like having a universal professional profile that you can take and use on any app or website um, where you're going to find work, where you're going to apply to jobs, um, where your professional data is going to be stored in HR systems. Um, instead of having to manually create that every time and manage five or however many profiles you have across the web, you can just have one that you uh, that is pulling from all these different places and, and pulling in your network, pulling in your reputation that you've earned on, on freelance platforms, for example. Um, which is very valuable for finding work and raising your prices as a freelancer um, and take that and transfer it between networks so that um, you can jump right into a new a new platform that you find uh, a better fit for you um, or for whatever reason and and just do that really easily and seamlessly. So why is the current uh, ecosystem of data transfer so closed? And uh, it seems like it would make sense that uh, it would be to the benefit of the user to be able to bring their data uh, from site to site and from platform to platform. Uh, But why is that really not the case today? Yeah, um, that's a really good question, and it speaks to the larger larger market. Um, 
you know, the way the internet is today, it's, it's not always built for the benefit of the user. It could be built for the benefit of individual platforms. And the way the internet has been before blockchain is that you have individual silos of data. And that is in itself, um, one of the primary competitive advantages of, of large networks like LinkedIn or Facebook or, or Twitter. Um, they, they typically had open APIs in the beginning as they were growing their networks. There was a lot of innovation built on those, those open APIs, um, with other apps. And then once they reached a certain threshold of users, they closed those off and now they own that data and they use it. And you see, you know, really relevant in the news today, uh, Facebook with their, their 50 million users that they harvested data through Cambridge Analytica. Um, there's a real hyper focus on how user data is being used in ways that users are not aware of. Um, and luckily with blockchain technology coming up, we have the ability to give a lot more control back to users by decentralizing, encrypting and opening things up. Also with, um, GDPR in the works, which if you're not in the, the recruiting or HR tech industry, you might not be aware of, but it's basically a new compliance measured by, by the EU which requires all user data to be uh, transferable. It requires it to be um, at the ownership of the user. And um, essentially what we're doing at Doc is, is exactly that. So there's a larger industry trend of, of hoarding user data, and, and that creates a lot of issues with, with non-transferability with um, companies using your data in ways that you don't want to. Um, and and it just creates a really disconnected experience for users. And, and along with this trend, you have um, now blockchain technology in the works. And that's, that's why, that's why we're applying it to this industry. Yeah. Uh, you raised a couple points that I want to uh, focus on uh, before we get into some of the details of your platform. Um, so, you mentioned the Facebook Cambridge Analytic uh, 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 news that has been in current events lately, uh, but yeah. it does speak to like a broader trend of what's happening uh, with user data and um, the you know, privacy policies and terms and conditions that we are frequently receiving uh, from uh, these platforms that say the terms and conditions have been updated and that likely mm-hmm. has impacts on what and what they can and cannot do with the data that they have acquired about any any of their users. Um, and you mentioned briefly, I want to dig into that, of the tactics that have been used in the past, because I want to trace how we came to this situation today where well, the information is siloed and uh, transferability of that information is, uh, is uh, difficult to the detriment of the consumers. And it does seem like there is a trend going on with the GDPR, which is something that, you know, we've talked about at Bounty Zero X um, and all of the new compliance uh, standards that are going to be implemented to make sure that there is some ability for the users to export their data and share it. And and, um, and that all fits into your business and uh, kind of the problem you're solving. So uh, it's certainly an area in the future that's going to be um, changing and new standards are going to be developed, uh, hopefully to the benefit of everyone, all the actors um, involved. So, but to just to focus on that point, so you mentioned that 
uh, you know, Microsoft is the example, uh, but also LinkedIn, mm-hmm. where they almost like, um, you know, create these uh, situations where people become reliant on their data um, and they, you know, support open standards, but then um, uh, proceed to kill those standards after uh, they've, you know, reaped all the benefits from them. So for people who aren't really familiar with how that works, can you just discuss briefly some some of that history and what what uh, goes on in those types of uh, uh, platforms? Sure. Uh, it really goes back to user data being essentially a currency. You know, Facebook is is making money off off your data. Um, LinkedIn is making money off your data. And the amount of users that they have on their platform is their competitive advantage. So they don't want to make it easy for users to go transfer to new platforms. And if you've used LinkedIn recently, um, and if you've seen any of some of the other comparable products out in the market, you'll realize that LinkedIn is not the most innovative company in the market. It's not necessarily the most user-friendly. Um, for a lot of people, there's a bit of a love-hate relationship with with LinkedIn because it, it's kind of necessary. Uh, and I'll speak to that in a second, but um, they they don't like using it. They don't like the user experience. They get a lot of spam, um, and um, there are other platforms out there that, that could be a better fit for them, whether it's uh, one that's more niche to their industry or market or network that they're trying to grow, um, or, or whether that's just more a, user, a more user-friendly platform. Um, but LinkedIn makes it hard for you to transfer your all the value that you've built up, you know, it's been around for years. You've spent years connecting with people, growing a network, um, putting content on there. A lot of people will publish, publish content to, uh, help become thought leaders in the areas. Um, and everything that you do on there, you, you can't just take that to another platform. Um, this comes into play just for, for another really relevant example. Um, freelance marketplaces like Upwork, um, Freelancers and contract workers have to spend years building up a reputation on those platforms uh, through ways of client reviews and recommendations, building a work history, and that's what helps them earn work and it helps them raise their prices as contractors and show that they're they're reliable and good people. Um, they can't take that then to a competing freelance marketplace um, that might have less competition that would be better for them. So. Upwork, LinkedIn, um, a lot of these companies to, to no real fault of their own, just kind of the way this is the way things have been by hoarding users data and making it hard for them to leave the platform and join other networks. Um, they're, they're keeping their competitive advantage, which is, you know, obviously any company is going to do that, but, but times are changing now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And any company is going to want to do that and it makes sense for them to do that. And it makes it difficult for new companies to form because um, they're essentially um, making it difficult for new users to come to their new platform. Um, so it's, you know, potentially beneficial for um, the uh, incumbents platforms to retain that yep. data, but and then not necessarily for the users and new new platforms. Um, so let's talk about how um, we can change this and how we can solve this problem. 
because I think we've identified how um, there is uh, a need for you know the consumers and the users to uh, change their relationship with these platforms. But how can they incentivize these platforms to um, open up their data uh, sharing models so that they would uh, choose to do that when it's mm-hmm. not really necessarily in their interest to do that? Yeah, I think it has to come from two angles. It has to come from new technology in the market that makes it uh, easier for, for users to do this and actually provides them with um, a, a competitive alternative, one that's that's meeting all their needs that they're using these platforms for. And then from the other side, users um, or, or people in, in the collective sense, we need to demand um, that that we have the data available to ourselves and to be able to take to other platforms and to have privacy of the data and for it to not be used in ways that we don't want to. And um, to that effect, uh, you kind of already see that happening now on, on both sides. Um, You know, there's, there's the whole delete Facebook movement that's happening. Um, If you think about it in terms of, of kind of the broader picture, um, this, this millennial generation is, is more aware than any past generation of where their money is going to and what companies they're supporting. And um, just from a social perspective, companies are, are, are having to uh, match the values of their, of their customers in order to retain those customers because people understand the only way these companies operate is, is through their money. And, and online, that's the same thing applied to their data. So if users demand that that their data um, can be transferable, like like um, what GDPR is enforcing, um, and stop using platforms that are taking advantage of their user data, that puts pressure on these larger networks to to open up and focus more on innovation rather than just hoarding their users. Um, at the same time, you have the technology coming up that that's. Um, you know, we're we're a great example of of a company who's really looking to address this, um, hoping to provide a, a better alternative, one where you don't need your LinkedIn anymore, essentially, um, because you've been able to import your network and connect it to all these other platforms. You've been able to take your work experience, uh, basically every notable data point that you might want to share as a, as a job seeker or professional, and and centralize that, and then choose who you want to share that with and how um, and what rights they get uh, to your data. So um, it's coming from both sides. And then I, I guess as a third is, is the regulation component, you know, it has to be um, enforced by, by the government um, to, to make uh, essentially these, these companies accountable to, to their users. And you already see that happening with GDPR, which is huge. Mm. Okay. So, so before we, dig into the features and the, the way that doc.io, doc.io is solving this. Um, and we, we touched on some of the types of data that this encompasses, but I really want to like focus on that because mm-hmm. um, it, it really is like a lot of different types of data. Um, so uh, one example would be the employment history uh, resume. Um, and then um Another example is your social graph, so all of your connections, all your friend requests. Um, and then what else? Uh, your licenses are, are another type of thing. So 
how are licenses something that a a network uh, can have or own and keep it limited to that? Because couldn't you just, you know, just say you're licensed, uh, you know, on this platform. And then when you go to a new platform, you say, you know, I'm licensed on this platform. And it's just a question of entering in your profile data. Um, so I guess it would be just saving you the time of having to enter in all of that information. Is, is can you is that essentially um, the benefit of it? That's one of the benefits of it. Um, one of one that may be attractive for a lot of users might be kind of whatever for for some other users. Um, certainly not having to refill out just manual data entry every time you sign up for a new platform. Um, it's saving you time there with a doc profile. When you connect to a new platform, you'll be able to instantly import all that so you're not recreating it. Um, that's something that you see now a lot with with OAuth and, and authentication through through Google and LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, it's not anything that's that's really new. Um, but uh, with Doc, we're we're looking to have a much much larger ability there. Um, other value that it's bringing to users is, and, and one that might be really interesting for a lot of people, is the ability to manage all these profiles in one place. So say that you have five different profiles, AngelList, LinkedIn, Upwork, Dribble, whatever it might be. And uh, if you get a new course completion certificate, say you completed a UX design course through Coursera, um, you would have to go to each of those individual platforms to update that. And with Doc, you can update it on any of the one apps that you're um, connected with through Doc and choose to push that update out to your your other profile. So you you can also manage all these profiles in one place. Um, in addition to that, you have a layer of verification um, with the way that blockchain technology works and tracking transactions on, on a ledger. You can actually see that that um, course certificate that you earned from Coursera was issued by Coursera through the blockchain. And so you can add additional value to your profile by having elements that are that are verified as coming from specific places. Um, so it's giving users more transferability with their with their data, their professional data. It's giving users the ability to manage all that in one place, and then it's it's adding extra layers of verification for them. Yeah, I think that's uh, a nice uh, example. So if we're just Talking about like the from the perspective of the user, how they would benefit uh, from using uh, a service like Doc is that so one example would be when they are registering for a new website and a new platform, um, they register and automatically all of the data from uh, any other website that they've built up their profile on would automatically be imported into uh, this new platform and. So the data types would be on the new platform structured in such a way that they could be easily imported and uh, talk to each other in a way where uh, it would make sense um, and could be uh, structured so that uh, it could be utilized uh, in a way on the new platform. Um, uh, and uh, is that kind of like how it would work? Yeah, essentially, uh, one click login to an account sign up to, to new platforms. Um, think one click job applies on on job postings um, through different job marketplaces, job boards, and as well as through direct partnerships that we have with ATSs, um, applicant tracking systems where um, 
which powers most career sites and where people are applying to jobs on those career sites. Um, so, so the ability to do that, and, and I think it's important that, um, you know, when you, when you sign up to a new site, it's, it's not just importing all of your data. You're actually choosing which data you're sharing with that, with that specific app. So that's a pretty key feature of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then would each user on doc, doc.io have a, like, um, like a dashboard on doc.io where they would be able to manage all of this data across all the different platforms and have settings for, you know, what is syncing and what's not syncing and pushing data from one platform to the other. Yeah, absolutely. We have an alpha app that's already released. Um, it already has over 250,000 users and growing by about five to 10,000 users a day. And, um, that's people who are interested in, in this product. Um, it's not even live right now. Um, we're currently in the development and building, building integrations with partners. Um, but even right now as an alpha app where data portability isn't actually happened, there's already over 250,000 people on it. Um, but that is the place where people can go and manage their permission settings for, for new applications. Um, it may look like, you know, you, are actively seeking a new job and there's a list of recommended apps to share your data with for uh, recruiters to contact you or places where you can have job um, jobs that match you uh, be sent to your inbox. Um, and you just be able, be able to kind of go down the list and toggle on and off which apps are getting your data and what, what parts of their your data they have access to. Okay, sounds good. So um, now let's move on to the uh, the lens of the uh, platforms who are going to be getting this data. So from mm-hmm. now on, we've kind of like laid it out from the perspective of the user and how they would interact with this. But now from the perspective of the uh, platform who is uh, importing this data or sharing it with other um, platforms, how does this process work on a high level? So from what I can tell, it works that in a way that where you have um, a token model which incentivizes um, platforms to share data amongst each other, but you don't let individual users benefit from uh, sharing the data. So, except for the benefit that they get directly by having their data in each new platform. So, but they're mm-hmm. not—they're not benefiting in the sense that they're selling their data to the platform. Yeah, and and you see that a lot with. Um blockchain companies right now that are allowing users to monetize their their data. Um, we chose to take a different approach that's specific to this industry. Um, often what you'll see is that um, a lot of gamification of, of and, and taking advantage of that to where um, people can create a lot of false accounts and then share that data with uh, these platforms, which doesn't help people hire. It doesn't help the end game of what we're trying to do at Doc, um, and we saw much more of a benefit to incentivize the data sharing between the platforms themselves. Um, so within the Doc ecosystem, when you're a partner, we build an API integration with your platform. Um, it might be a one-way data share, or it might be a two-way data share. We're open to both, um, and by that I mean that um, we may connect with. A company like Upwork, for example, um, who may not be open to sharing their user data yet, but still wants to allow Doc users to be able to use their data on their platform. 
obviously, you know, that, that helps them a lot, but it also helps our users because they're then able to take their doc profile and port it into a new place and transfer the value that they have on other platforms into this new platform Upwork that they want to go on to. Um, other companies, um, such as one that we're announcing this week, I won't get ahead of ourselves, but um, are very open to the idea of creating a more open ecosystem of data sharing that's valuable to users and understand that um, the companies that are the most innovative and and provide the best product for users are the ones that are going to win and not necessarily the ones that have the most user data. So um, at a high level, you know, we build this API integration with the platform themselves. Um, If they contribute data to the system if they are sharing their data with the ecosystem then they get rewarded for that with doc tokens um if they are pulling data from from the system um and importing that data from the ecosystem then they they pay in in doc tokens so let's dig into that a little bit further because it's a really uh, unique uh, token model and the economic incentives i read that the token serves as the proposal and voting utility to guide the evolution of development and changes to doc.io. So not only does it serve this role as almost a pay and and earn uh, tokens for platforms, but then also it's a way to vote on developments. What does that aspect uh, consist of? Yeah, um, you know, it kind of just goes into the overall idea of we're trying to create an open ecosystem here. Eventually, Doc can can run itself, um, essentially, except for for updates and um, things of that nature. But um, we're allowing our token holders to vote on product development. Um, one of the, the we just did our first vote uh, last week, I believe. Um, where we we recently did our ICO and uh, we're going to release the tokens uh, to the public. And yet the market is down right now for for Ethereum and about every other cryptocurrency. So we asked our community, we said, hey, do you want tokens released now um, or do you want to wait until a strategic time? And and over 60% voted to wait until strategic time. So, um, you know, it's a way that gives us feedback right from our users to know what what people want with the development of the project the product and and kind of overall uh the idea here is that this is a product for users um and we want them to to determine um how best to essentially move forward as we develop this this ecosystem so what is the uh mechanism that you use to conduct the voting of the tokens because we did something similar at Mm -hmm. zero x for our token holders of uh, being able to determine various aspects of the governance and the the decision making process so how did you guys do that from uh, conducting that vote and deciding um, how that was uh, going to what the outcome was and how each person could vote yeah, so we built the voting utility within uh, the doc platform. Um, we make announcements to to our entire user base through through every channel that we have, and and say, hey, here's a new vote. Um, when you log into the doc app, you can go to the voting section, and you'll see the votes that are open. And there might be multiple ones. One might be a product update. One might be some kind of uh, partner initiative that we have. Um, and basically, the amount of doc tokens that you have controls the weight of your vote. 
Um, so it, it's essentially like uh, shareholders taking votes within the platform. Um, so you you vote essentially with your doc tokens. Um, not that we're charging you any. There there is a small gas fee um, for for the the economics to work, um, but we're not charging any any doc tokens or anything like that. It just it's weighted based on the amount of doc tokens you hold. Uh, okay, that's very interesting. Um, and is that something you guys built uh, into your app? And it is did you use like any open source uh, tools for that, or did you develop the entire uh, voting system uh, in house? We did develop in house. I'm not sure how much open source code our engineering team used, but we do have a GitHub account um, that people can search for Doc.io. And we are sharing a lot of um, what we're building here. Uh, the voting utility that, that we built, I, I believe, is on there. So let's say Bounty Zero X wanted to um, uh, become a platform that was um, a part of this uh, network where users who have doc.io um, accounts and who are sharing data with. Uh, um, doc.io and through uh, partnered organi- partnered companies, or let's just say any company, not necessarily Bounty Zero X, uh, but let's say any company uh, wanted to um, give their users the ability to uh, export their data in a uh, structured and organized way so that it could then be uh, used on other platforms. Um, so you guys currently have uh, a onboarding process for new uh, platforms who want to uh, partner with Doc.io. Can you for those? Can you talk about how that process works? Yeah. Um, so any new platform that's interested in partnering with us um, can just email us at partnerships at Doc.io. That goes directly to me. Um, you can also reach me at Jeffrey at Doc.io. And um, essentially, right now, we're, we're in the early stages of building this partner ecosystem. Um, I'm talking with over 70 different HR tech companies and platforms that we're going to be connecting to. Um, and we're announcing those uh, over, the, over the coming weeks, and we'll continue to be announcing those uh, as we move into to next year. Um, but basically, uh, right now, uh, we're building our first our first partner integrations, um, and then we're going to really move full steam ahead on onboarding new partners. And it's it's really just a standard REST API integration that we're doing with them that allows them to interact and communicate with the doc protocol. Um, does that answer your question? Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, your when will that be ready, and when will you go full steam ahead on that uh, process of being? Uh, is the API ready and is it ready for developers to start implement the protocol, the, the doc.io protocol? Yeah, it's not ready yet. Um, it should be ready towards the end of Q2 or early Q3 is, is really what we're looking at. Um, and that'll be an exciting time for us. Once the API is built out uh, and first partners are onboarded, we'll, that's when we're really going to be moving full steam ahead. Okay. So let's just go back for a second and... Uh, uh, Briefly talk about the um, this, the economics involved with the compensation amongst uh, the different applications. So um, 
in the white paper, there was this mechanism where um, it, application A and then application B. And then um, so if data from a user is transferred from application A to application B, uh, application A receives compensation uh, in the form of tokens for that one user uh, profile or that data that is transferred from A to B. Um, and then B must, uh, how does B pay application A for that uh, data which they um, are importing from another user, uh, from uh, that user who left or who's using data that was acquired through application A? Yeah, um, it you know, it, it sounds like one application is paying another for the data transfer, and that's one way you can look at it. You can also look at it as you are paying and being rewarded from the ecosystem as whole for either contributing or pulling data from, from the ecosystem. Um, but uh, essentially how it works is, is we're it, companies that, that we're partnered with. Um, we'll have specific uh, sets of, of rules set up for them based on their budget, based on um, what types of data they want and, and basically what works for them. So these are going to be individual agreements that we set up with each individual um, company concerning um, just how much they, they want to pull from the ecosystem or how much they want to share. So um, the compensation would be on a case-by-case basis and the costs for each company would vary on a case by case basis but from a technical level this would be done in the form of the tokens the doc.io tokens yeah that's correct it's all done through the doc.io token which is based on the um, ethereum network mm-hmm. um, okay. and probably something else to to point out is that this um is, is something the actual uh, token economics being in place isn't something that's going to be happening until 2019. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, it's all going to be happening for free, essentially. Um, we also set aside a portion of our, our funding of our ICO for ecosystem incentivization. So all the early partners that are joining us now before this um, token system is in place, essentially we're going to allocate them uh, tokens in order to to make it free for them. Um, for quite some time. So um, if you are interested in being connected to Doc, now's a good time to talk. If anybody out there is listening, yeah. Jeffrey at doc.io is my shameless plug. Yeah, no, feel yeah. free. I, mean, I think it's a great <laughs> product. And uh, if there are users out there or platforms that uh, want to try it out, they can do that and they can go to download the app now, right? And where would they go to do that? Yeah, it's just at app.doc.io. And what platforms is it working with is it like a windows app or is it a a web app or is it a a mobile app how does that work yeah it's a it's a web app right now and then we'll we'll be opening that up later on to to other platforms okay um so so jeff tell me a little bit about the um the team uh the doc io team so how many people where are you guys based um what stage are you at and what upcoming dates do you guys have yeah um, so we're a team of about 20, um, about half based in San, the San Francisco Bay Area and half distributed around the world. Um, we had the, the advantage of 
all of us worked together prior on remote.com, which is still a platform that we, we own and operate, but are completely focused on doc now. Um, so, so we already had an engineering team in place. We already had, um, support team in place, um, design. Everybody was, was already on board. And then we're growing that team now, um, really building out mostly the, the engineering side. But, um, uh, we, we started off already with, with eight engineers on the team. Um, and because we were owning and operating remote.com, we, we embrace a distributed, uh, team and, and remote work. And so we have people in everywhere from the UK to Poland to Argentina, um, all, all across the world. Um, and then in terms of our, our roadmap and what's coming up, that, like you said, we, we completed our token sale and our ICO last month. Um, right now we are, um, working on our first partner integrations and growing the, the partner network. So building the API and then growing it, um, and, and applying it to all these different platforms. Mm-hmm. Great. So, um, the, uh, remote.com, um, when did you guys decide to start Doc.io and, uh, transition over from remote.com and, uh, did you, um, uh, did the whole team move? Or how, how did that go? And when did when was that first idea of doc.io uh, started? Yeah, a little bit before uh, July of last year um, is is when we saw the opportunity in the market, and um, we we said somebody's got to do this, and we think we're we're really well positioned to do it. Um, so we started uh, focusing some efforts over to doc.io then, um, and then as our token sale approached more and more of our attention went to that platform. Um, remote.com is still up and running. It's a, it's a, a place for you to find remote work and jobs, um, both freelance and, and full time. And, and that runs and we have a support team that's still operating on that. We have engineering resources that are, are there to, to keep the site up and running. Um, but all our, our effort is, is really focused on advancing doc.io now. Um, in the future, we're, we're building out our team. We're growing our team. We just raised 20 million in our ICO. Um, we are, um, going to be having more resources dedicated specifically to doc and, and have a clear distinction between those people, um, that are, that are working on the remote platform and the doc platform. That sounds good. Um, so before we end the call, uh, I want to thank you for your time to come speak with us today and discuss uh, your product. We're really excited for it. And, uh, Looking forward to see it develop, and we'd love to have uh, your, you on the show again um, after you guys are uh, releasing the next version and uh, uh, have released more updates. Um, and before we go, is there any other topics that we didn't cover uh, about your product um, that you'd like to uh, focus on or any other points to discuss uh, that might be relevant uh, uh, that we didn't discuss so far? No, I think we, we covered a pretty broad range. Um, of course, there's always more to talk about, but um, maybe next time when we connect after the product's matured a bit and, and our ecosystem is growing, um, we'll have a lot more a lot more to talk about then. All right. Sounds good. So I guess on the show today has been Jeffrey Harrison of Doc.io. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, and we uh, look forward to hearing from you soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Angelo. This was a great conversation. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.